KUT's AT Explained is back with a brand new season. Our first episode, what's up with that tower in Clarksville? I've heard it called the Clarksville Eiffel Tower, the tower, the leaning tower of Clarksville, all those names. Subscribe to AT Explained wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget our next AT Explained live show at the Paramount Theater on April 3rd. Brand new stories told live on stage. Get your tickets at austintheater.org. Support for AT Explained Live comes from Meals on Wheels Central Texas and World Interiors. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Welcome to This Song, the podcast that asks artists about songs that transformed them or changed them in some way. And we're not crazy strict around here, like we only talk about individual songs because sometimes an artist can open up your world or an entire catalog of a band can free you up to see the world in a new way. And those experiences be they about a song, or an artist, or a band, or a record. Well, those experiences are what we love to talk about. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and as you have heard in previous episodes, I love the full band interview. And I'm in luck because in this episode, we'll be talking to the members of two bands, one small and one large. We'll be talking to Sylvanesso and Sip Sip. Sylvanesso is a small band, maybe the smallest incarnation of what you can call a band. They are a band of two. Sip Sip, on the other hand, is a band out of Austin that has 18 members. You heard me right, 18 members. Taylor Wallace interviewed them, and she'll be helping me introduce them a little later. And obviously, we couldn't talk to all 18 members, but we did talk to three of them. And In both cases, both small and large, hearing the music that the individual members are into gives you a good perspective about what the band is all about. First off, Sylvanesso, like I said, they are a band of two. Amelia Meath and Nick Sanborn, he's an electronic music producer, she's a singer and a songwriter, and they make this great electro-pop dance, folk. I'm not sure there is a genre to describe them. Let's let's just say they transcend genre distinctions. They played the Austin City Limits Music Festival, and they, they were amazing, by the way. I mean, Amelia Meath sings so great and dances, and Nick Sanborn, I didn't know what to expect from someone who's essentially like triggering samples from a computer, but he owns it. It it was just really fun to watch them. But I digress. They uh, they played Austin City Limits Music Festival, and they sat down with me to tell me about a band that they both love. And this was a first for me. I'm used to talking to like one person at a time, but they collectively love this band. They bonded around their love for this band, and they both wanted to talk about this band at the same time. And it ended up being great. So here they are, Sylvanesso. We're going to start just talking about soul coughing, but there's a soul coughing song. Yeah. Okay, great. Great. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. So, um, so a soul coughing song? 
a soul coughing song called Maybe I'll Come Down. Maybe I'll come down. Was it a song that you guys discovered like separately before you had met? And yes. then when you got together, you were bonded over your love of this soul coughing in general. Soul coughing yeah. in general, and the band, the you know, the three people who create to soul coughing. Um, four? Yeah. Which ones? Oh yes, four. The we, four yeah. people who yeah. who comprise soul coughing <laughs> each individually. Now, who are the the soul coughing guys? It was Mike Doty and then Sebastian Steinberg. Sebastian Steinberg. I think the drummer's name is Uvalga Bay, mm -hmm. I think. And mm -hmm. then Mark DeGlee Anthony is the. Okay. Uh, oh, you're good. I've been working record stores for years and years and years yeah. as a high school student. And yeah. Mark DeGlee Anthony was the dude, the Sampler, sample guy. Who I'm still is, to this day obsessed with. Yeah, he's had mind blowing ideas about samples. She's on Loretta's side. She's in a better state. She feels a better fire. Do what I dreamed a great parade, shooting all the guns in Brooklyn. He just played. He was the first guy I saw use a sampler on stage. I saw them when I was. I saw them open up. For they might be giants oh. in Madison, Wisconsin. And and how I, old were you at the at the time? Uh, I it was when they put out John Henry, so I must have been. See, I remember all the guys' names, but I can't remember what year. It must have been like ninety-five, yeah. thirteen, maybe. Thirteen. Okay, so this is around the time. Mid nineties, sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Was it around the time when you were? Because I feel like thirteen is the time when people start to define like pick their own music and like start yeah. defining themselves through music as opposed to hearing things on the radio or whatever your parents play yeah it was you know, deep in that phase for me and i hate i didn't like them at all when i saw them oh you didn't no you, I didn't. you were there for they might be giant 100 percent. oh yeah you can hear indiana by the light switch who watches over you make a little birdhouse in your soul not to put too fine a point on it say i'm the only bee in your bonnet a little in your soul. No, they just put out they had just put out Ruby Room and I didn't know who they were and I, it was my first time seeing them but they might be giants who I still am so into. And were you well yeah, I mean they might be giants. Yeah. But yeah. but Mark Digley Anthony played a like a desktop computer on he had this like crazy like a big desktop rig. That's how I remember it. I mean, okay. I might I might be misremembering this, but I remember a I've giant screen, like an old cathode ray tube screen, like the old, you oh, know. like a TV screen. Like, yeah, yeah like, yeah, a, yeah, like yeah. A, the old monitor, like a big monitor. Yeah. Uh -huh. And he had this huge rack because samplers were, you know, giant Akai rack things back then. Oh. You know, this is like, so this didn't, is I didn't see an MPC on stage. I was it was my, fir say, it was my first time being like, oh, this is like, did you oh, know? This is a dinosaur he's bringing on stage, and he played it like a jazz organ. It was this, he just was like, it was like this pure expression of something that to me seemed like it must take so much pre planning, but he just played it in this like emotional, crazy, 
like whirling dervish kind of way. It was it's so cool. Was it attached mm-hmm. to a keyboard? Was it? Like, yeah, there was okay. a keyboard attached. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you didn't like it when you first saw it. No. Well, they they warmed. I warmed them over the course of the set. Okay. So you were like, boo! I want to see. They might be giants. Who is this? Yeah. Well, act? if you've have you listened to Soul Coughing? I've heard Soul Coughing. Okay. I've never gone deep into the the catalog, They're, but like go deep. Okay. Yeah, and and well, and there's such a specific band mm-hmm. that I think I just wasn't ready for that at yeah. that time, especially being a kid and super hyped to see the Navi Giants. I was just not ready. You yeah, know? yeah, no, it's um, oddly theatrical. Like all the songs are theatrical, and he like kind of raps, you know, and like, <laughs> yeah, or it's like super percussive. And it's the way, so like, 90s. It's yeah, so and the lyric 90s. writing is. Both awesome and like really unfortunate at different points, but but it works. But the performance saves everything. Now, did you see them? live too around that same time? I, I didn't, I totally missed them. I only discovered them when I was um, in life drawing class in high school. And my cool, cool, cool art teacher, Todd Bartell, showed me Soul Coughing. Ah, did So he... that was in like 2003 was when I heard Soul Coughing. Okay, so did time. he like, by that time, was it a video, like where he showed you Soul Coughing or did he play it for you? And you were no, like, yeah, oh, we would listen well. to different music while we drew, mo- drew the models. And. So you had missed it in the 90s and you come about around to it in the 2000s. And yeah. What was it like for you to hear it? Because like, was it a kind of a mind bender or expander or was it more like, this is, I like this, this is nice. It was a, it was a mind bender and expander in that they have such a specific sound and I hadn't heard a band with such a specific thesis statement built into every song that they were writing and making. Was it that meld that they brought? Like, so it's a little bit hip hop, it's a little bit rock and roll. We use like electric. It's a lot of jazz. A lot of jazz. Yeah, a lot of jazz. Yeah. So yeah. it's just really exciting to hear. And like, it was an uncool band that no one had heard of. Right. Anymore in my high school. Like, no one cared. And I, that was like my favorite thing was to love bands that no one cared for at that time. Kind of that's how we, yeah, that's, that's, like, that's how we define for, ourselves. Yeah, as, yeah, yeah a certain kind yeah, of person. This is my themselves. band. Well, so that I, I saw them in the mid '90s, and we met in 2010. So, so, so probably 15 years later. So 15 years later, when was that one of the things like when you started talking about? No, music? we figured that like, out way after. We figured that out way after. Yeah. yeah. They're like, we first figured out that we both like they might be giants, which was a huge. I mean, you know how often? I remember. I, I, we, I think I, I think I put it on. Yeah. And I, I was we put like, it on in the car, and we were both playing, like, ah, yeah. you know. I was like, did you just put on El Oso? <laughs> which is a <laughs> record that I love, but I didn't. Yeah.
Were you playing music at the time when you saw them do the yes. thing? Yes. Okay. Were you into electronic music at all, or would that Not come? Yet. No, that later? came. I I didn't get into electronic music really until I was in high school. I started working at this record store, um, and somebody there played. Can't, what was it even first? It was a couple of records right at the same time. So it was like a bunch of stuff that this label Warp put out. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, Boards of Canada. And uh, Autechers EP7. Right after that was this record by a guy named Preview 73 called Vocal Studies and Uprock Narratives. Those all and like the earlier Aphex Twin stuff, like those those kind of showed up when I was like 15, and this was this must have been that was like two or three years later. Right on. So um, did you did you kind of harken back to that seeing Soul Coughing like oh that's what that what like I well I just I kind of to me I hadn't even associated it with electronic music. It was just this totally different thing. You know, it was yeah. this I had never seen somebody do sampling in a non-hip-hop context that I thought wasn't terrible. Yeah. And he was doing it in this way that, that felt completely uniquely him, you know? it's And listening to those records now, like, who samples like that now? Like, go listen to no, those records. And, I will. And I, I now totally want every one of them. Yeah. His concept of, like, t- he, like, actually thinks about timing in samples in a different way. He doesn't think about it as in, in like, in duration. Uh-huh. But he thinks about it as, like, he's got one of those brains that sees sound in 3D yeah that's what you can envision and you see like every peak of of each sample is like delicately zhuzhed in in like between all the sounds it's incredible okay in the way that you would do you would insert like play an instrument like insert sound that way yeah and and they're lawless you know it's this it's so left the minute you start being like paying attention to it as a thing it's like a lawless approach to putting samples in a song. Like it makes no sense. And it's a grind, grind, it's a grind, it's a grind, grind, it's a grind, grind, it's a grind, it's a grind, grind. It's a grind, grind, it's a grind, it's a grind, grind, it's a grind, grind, it's a grind, grind. Get onto the bus that's gonna take you back to So you were you had already started making music together before you discovered your shared love of this band. But I can't imagine that if this band like has is kind of inside of you both in this really deep way that it doesn't somehow make its way into what Sylvanoso does I mean is there do you try to be that lawless do you try to like push yourself in in those ways like yeah I think we do I don't think we necessarily say like let's do that soul coughing thing no no I I, I think think more than anything it he listening to what he does uh, expands your idea of of what you can do with found sound, exactly. you know what I mean? Yeah. And and especially because he, while making it feel just like him, also lets a, a piece of sound just be what it is for long stretches of time. And there's a there's like a freedom and a and a jumping off a cliff feeling with that. Like normally you're cutting these tiny little 
snippets or drum hits or you know individual because it hits, can get so very precise it can yeah. get so very like exactly and there, there's a there's a, a really wonderful thing that i i feel like i learned from him uh and kind of from joe westerlin which is like just letting a, a longer piece of audio just do what it's gonna do and have happy accidents fall where they will and, and just letting it happen i think that's a, a big thing i, I feel like i've done anything lyrically the delivery is really incredible and the way like it's yeah essentially it's it's beat poetry but luckily because he never says that it's beat poetry you never touch it (laughs) yeah like if he had ever come out and said it it would have just ruined it no 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 check out our new slam poetry record yeah which was such a 90s thing you guys, thank you so much. That was really no, cool. thank, thank you. you. Right on. Yeah, that was so great. That Thanks was awesome. Time. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. True. It's a dance. We know the moves. The bow, the dip, the woo. Though the words are true. And below me you can hear Coffee by Sylvanesso and that idea, the idea of letting the sample be what it is. Once I heard that and had it in my mind, I could hear it all over Sylvanesso's music and all over Soul Coughing's music, which, like I said in the interview, I wasn't terribly familiar with like their deep catalog. I'd never dug into it before, but I'm glad they hipped me to Soul Coughing's music because it really is like insane, the use of samples in that band, the kind of lawlessness. Yeah, like they said, it's lawless and we could all use much more musical lawlessness in our lives. At least I can. Mom's gone. Do you love me? Blazing summer. Cold coffee. Baby's gone. And now I want to welcome Taylor Wallace to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Hello. Hi, how's it going? All right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, Taylor interviewed Sip Sip when they came into Studio 1A to play an after hours show because that's the kind of radio station we are here at KUTX. After hours shows with beer. Yes. After hours shows with beer in Studio 1A. And of course, 
I didn't make it because I have two young kids and I'm lame. I go to bed <laughs> at eight o'clock. That's the stage of life I'm in. But Taylor, she's young. She parties. And she was here to interview some of the band. You pulled some members into the studio. And is it true that Sip Sip has 18 members? 18 members. I I think depending on who you listen to and what you read, you will hear all different numbers. I've heard everything from 13 to 18, 17, all, all, anything basically that's over a dozen and under 24. I've heard that number <laughs> attached to that attached to them. So that was my, the, my first objective was to find out how many members are in the band. And there are 18 stateside. <laughs> 18 members. I think it's potential for 21, but those other members are out of the country currently. Wow. That's a lot of members. And they call themselves like the ultimate party band, Austin's right? ultimate party band. Yes. And they... and. A lot of those 18 members are horn players. Right? Yes, uh-huh. And you know, and even the some of the ones who don't play horns and sip sip still play horns otherwise. Oh, really? Yeah. That's crazy cuz we've never had any horn players. And you got to interview like 3 of them, right? I got to interview 3 of them somehow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have Jack Anderson and he plays trumpet. Yes. And then there's Isaac Winburn who plays the alto sax and then Andrew Fontenot playing tenor sax. Okay. Okay. He's not a bass player? He is a bass player, but this is the thing. He's a bass player, but he also plays the sax. And just like Isaac plays uh, the sax and the drums. Excellent. Well, and other things as well, I'm sure. Well, I really liked the horn perspective because, again, I'm not a horn player, so mm-hmm. I never think about horns very much. But it was really cool to sit down and hear what they had to say. So without further ado, sip, sip. I don't know what it was. I guess I, you know, still to this day watch a lot of movies. So I was watching a lot of movies and I was really getting into movie soundtracks at the time. Okay. And uh, one of the first soundtracks I ever had was Pulp Fiction. Okay. And on Pulp Fiction, the track right after Miserloo by Dick Dale is Jungle Boogie by Cool and the Gang. Get down, get down, get down, get down. And I don't know what it was about that song, but it was just like from the beginning. To the end. I mean, that song's like, what, like two and a half minutes or whatever, but I remember just like dancing in my room and just like really, really loving the, you know, It was just so cool to me, and you know, I'd never really like listened to funk before, but it was really, really neat to just hear this instrument that you know I wasn't very good at, but heard what it could do, okay. and all these like these crazy like sounds, and then around the same time, still getting like soundtracks. And, and by the way, the, the whole reason I had access to these was at the public library, and what I got right after that, which was also at the public library, was the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Oh no! And Oh man, I think that was the one that also had a Cool in the Gang song. So there was Jungle Boogie, Cool in the Gang on Pulp Fiction soundtrack. But then Saturday Night Fever, Open Sesame by Cool in the Gang. Open Sesame! And that was another one where it's just like three minutes, but the whole time. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-
cool funky horn lines and like just soaring trumpets just going up. So I was listening to Cool and Gang and other funk groups like that, and you know Saturday Night Fever soundtrack and everything, and and it like re reawakened your love for the trumpet, or it guided your your love, or I would I would say it, it guided it because I mean I did enjoy playing like the kind of kind of smoother, slower, jazzy stuff, but I also really really liked playing the high energy funk stuff. And um, another thing about like the the whole funk genre, especially those songs, uh, Jungle Boogie and Open Sesame, which were the two Cool and the Gang songs that I ever heard um, there there's a lot of like falsetto upper register playing and that kind of sparked my love of the uh, higher register how impactful and punchy a trumpet could be. Um, I mean, it, it definitely guided my taste in music because I would want to play trumpet like on Earth, Wind & Fire or Cool in the Gang or Chicago or whatever. that the song has to be for me just Isn't She Lovely by Stevie Wonder. That's a great song. That's the one that got me. So what's the story behind that song? So for saxophone I think I took lessons uh, later on in, in high school from this guy, Joe Morales, who's an amazing saxophone player in Austin. Mm -hmm. um, and we didn't do lessons like, learn this, let's play this. We like, every day we'd go in and we'd either create a track or grab a backing track from a song and then just record and play solos and like learn chords. And then at the end of the lesson, we'd be done. And that's what we'd have. So we'd make a recording mm -hmm. of that song. So we'd How long be were your lessons? An hour. An less. hour at a time to just create this entire yeah, sound. Yeah, and we okay, did that, cool. and it was super cool. And, and so we played... We played Isn't She Lovely... Ribbon in the Sky. Oh, so long for this night I prayed that a star would guide you my way to share with me this special day. Well, ribbons in the sky for our love. Golden ladies. And golden lady, golden lady, I'd like to go there. 
Stevie Wonder songs, and I played a lot with him in, in like, a, maybe a more, like, gospel church kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that, like, made my heart go crazy. Because, like, I was playing saxophone, and just get, you're getting to sing, but it's not my voice. It's, like, through this instrument and, like, playing No, I, those I songs totally understand. Is, I played tenor sax for eight years. Yeah, and so getting to, like, like sing out and, like, breathe with that is, like, how I learned to love saxophone. It's, like, to find that tone. Like, screw the notes. Right. You know, all of it, just, like, find the tone and, like, put it out. And so I feel like got that feeling from him and through those through those songs, Isn't She Lovely, One, Ruben in the Sky, That's Golden cool. Lady. But That's... Stevie Wonder, that, that just that feeling, that, that, that immediate and like infinite happiness and like joy you put out. And that's, I think, why I continue to play saxophone and why I started was that. Get up. Ace is back in the deck, and many he's gonna rap to his death. Hope he get better than half of the rest, like on yours, I'm half of the rat. Putting whack MCs back to the test of the party throws, and I'm acting a mess of a good breeze, like a good breeze, like a good breeze outside chilling. So, Andrew, what song was the spark that ignited the fire in you becoming a musician? All right, so a little bit of background. Um, I started playing music with my dad when I was 10 years old, uh, he had a band and he needed a bassist. Um, and so I had already been kind of thinking about playing bass and he was like kind of pushing me in that direction so mm -hmm. I could play bass in his band. Um, and I was trying to think of a song to like start learning it and then it was right around the time that that song Schism came out by Tool. <laughs> and it's just like the rowdiest, most awesome bass line. Right. sat with my dad for like probably 20 30 minutes in uh -huh. my room trying to figure out what what he was doing like how it was played and we could never figure out how how it was played um but uh but yeah interestingly enough tool i was just real at the time again it, it was i was essentially learning bass to play in like a singer songwriter group mm -hmm. but i always really really was like into like pop punk and metal and interestingly enough, that that song is about as far as I got into Tool. Like, I never... <laughs> right. You know, like, it's so interesting that that's the song that got really legitimately got me into music, and then I never followed up on any of the... You never went to Hot like, Topic oh, to buy a T-shirt. Yeah, the song's tight. Uh, but I just, it was a song that it was... I had never heard a bass played like that before, that specific intro. And now I listen to a lot of Tool, and it, it's just basically that bassist style. Like, he, he okay. does that sort of thing a lot, kind of that hammer-on weird thing. Um, but it was just like, I've always, when I try to learn an instrument or learn anything musically, I basically try to focus on a song, and specifically a song that's like, a little bit out of my talent range, which is interesting because I had, I had no talent because I just started playing. So you're always thing. giving yourself a challenge, feeding right. yourself a challenge. I'm not real good at, at, at improvising new music or writing parts, so I, I try to focus on learning a song that's a little bit out of, like, a little bit out of my depth.
breakfast, and there it is, that funk, those punchy horns, and Taylor, you told me that Jack Anderson actually wrote one of the horn lines in the beginning of that song, right? Yes, I think you'd, I, I would call it the third run, the third horn line that you kind of hear in the song, and yeah, he that's what he told me. Excellent, and Sip Sip has a record out, so if people want to hear their music, they can get their record. It's called Party Record, appropriately for the <laughs> exactly party band. It's got two crossed forties on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to see Sip Sip, they are going to be at the Empire Control Room on New Year's Eve, right? Yes, they'll be playing with Mother Falcon. So about half of their members are also Mother Falcon. Mother Falcon just got off of a huge nationwide tour, so now they're back. They're coming back for the second inception of the Mother Sip Connection. Excellent. That sounds like a lot of fun. I might have to get my tickets. Uh-huh. Oh, and they've got a new record coming out next year. So thank you so much for coming in, Taylor, and thanks for doing those interviews. Thank you. And that's it. We have come to the end of another episode of this song. This song is a production of KUTX. 98.9. It was produced and edited by myself, Elizabeth McQueen, David Sanger, and Taylor Wallace. Hey, yay, Taylor! The interviews were recorded by Jake Perlman and Taylor Wallace. Thanks to Peter Babb for everything he does for KUTX and the podcast. And our theme song? Oh yeah, it's Mahout by Austin's own hardproof Afrobeat. You can email us at thissong at KUTX.org or tweet us at thissongKUTX. You can subscribe to this song along with the other KUTX podcasts, liner notes, song of the day, and Austin Music Minute on iTunes or follow us on Stitcher. And yes, I know, we know you're busy, but if you have a moment, we'd love a rating or a review on iTunes. Well, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you later. 